right. All right. We're back, We're back here today with the Home Field Advantage podcast. This is Big Mo on the line. Do I have Action Jackson there with me? Uh, you, you absolutely do. And for the first time, I have excitement in my voice about a certain football team. So I have to say this and get this out of my system. How about them hogs? How about them? It's, and it's been a while since we've been able to say that. But how about those Hawks? Uh, first win in school history over the Florida Gators. And, uh, you know, it, it wasn't easy. In the swamp. In the swamp. Oh, that's right. In the swamp. Feels like the first ever, I guess, the, the team. But, yeah, in the swamp, for sure. And uh, first time ever in the swamp, we've come out victorious. And it wasn't easy. Um, but, man, it feels good. It, was good. it does feel good when you get a win, and uh, they asked Sam Pittman after the game, how was the locker room? They said, man, they got that jukebox cranked up, and it sounds good to hear the jukebox because we hadn't heard it in a while, and just to hear the excitement in Coach's voice, and, uh, you know, we, we don't know how much longer we're having. We don't know how the season's going to play out, but for at least one Saturday, we've been victorious, and, uh, and you know, I, I have to ask the question, did the offensive coordinator make that much difference? Uh, what's your opinion? Absolutely. Uh, the change in offensive coordinator it was the difference in the game. If we still had Dan Enos as OC, we would not have won that football game, and it probably wouldn't have been particularly close because Florida did figure out our defense as the game went on. Um, I actually started figuring it out in the, fourth, in the first quarter. Um, yeah. So we needed to score points. And like, like many SEC games, especially on the road, you're going to have to score points to, to stay with the team. Enos was not capable of that. Uh, so uh, absolutely much better job by the, by the first try offensive coordinator. And, um, and, and yeah, it was, it was the right move by Sam Pittman. I just wish it would have come earlier. know you said they figured our defense out and i have to agree with that but to the point that they figured it out except for one thing they they didn't apparently know that dwight glossner dwight mclaughlin was a preseason all sec player because they kept picking on him and he kept showing out and and i just have to throw it out there that he is my co-defensive player of the game for the florida game with his performance along with jalen braxton getting to the end zone not only did he take a ball from a florida player but he took it to the house and did what he was supposed to with it and so kudos to the defense. I mean, it wasn't our best defensive game, but we did just enough. And uh, and, and what what a job to hold them to a field goal in overtime by the defense. So I have yes. to give the defense credit where credit is due. Absolutely. Hold them to a field goal in overtime. And, uh, and that's not easy to do, especially when they get the ball first. That's a critical possession. Of course, the defense had just got finished collapsing on the previous drive, allowing them to come back and, uh, and, and nearly win the game. Uh, you know, we, we forget we were <laughs> a, a very makeable kick. I want to say, I don't know the exact yardage, but it was around 45, 44 yards that Florida had to win the game. The game's over, and it looked for all intensive purposes like it was going to be over because there was a blown call um, down there when, when they got the ball down to the, I don't know what it was, the 20 526 and way too uh, close way too close <laughs> yeah way too close it was way too easy to get down there but when they got it down there <clears throat> there was a it was eight seconds left 
and they were supposed to allow Arkansas to substitute players after Florida had brought on some subs. So here's what happened was they got down there to eight seconds. Everybody knows that you're supposed to spike the ball, right? Right. And except the Florida special teams, Florida special teams starts running out into the field. Like they're going to try to get in formation with eight seconds and kick the field goal without any spike. Well, they got out there. And then they had to run back to the sidelines because, of course, the coach is screaming, get off the field. we got to spike the ball first and stop the clock. Well, when they, when they ran onto the field, that gives Arkansas a chance to substitute. And the clock is supposed to be running while Arkansas substitutes, but the official never started the clock. Never started the clock, called the penalty. And the amazing thing is the, an, an offensive penalty like that normally has a 10-second runoff. Well, 10-second runoff, the game would have been over because there was only eight seconds on the clock. But the official announces to everybody that there won't be a 10-second runoff this time because the official never started the clock to begin with. Wow. Because because the chains were being moved. I've never – that's the most novel and, uh, frankly, a BS explanation I've ever heard for trying to to give a win to a team other than Arkansas at home. But (laughs) – Imagine that. I mean, doesn't it sound like the old, I mean, what's been happening to us when we go to the swamp? Wouldn't it be just that way because a a ref to blow a call or or miss something to allow us to lose once again in the swamp? Absolutely, and that's the way it was going to be until the only thing that, that, the only reason we're celebrating today instead of hanging our heads is the Florida kicker missed the kick. The officials set him up. Our defense, of course, aided a lot in that, setting him up. But if he makes that kick, we come up that that is so close, and we don't get it done. Instead, he misses it, and to Arkansas's credit, we buckled down, we finished off the game in overtime, and now we can remember this year, of, of all the doom and gloom that's happened this year, of all the disaster, the dumpster fires, the drama, all of it, what, what we can remember this year for at the end of the year is this was the year we beat the Florida Gators in the swamp. Right, and which we've actually, even though through all the turmoil of the season, we've been calling this all year. I mean, anybody that's been listening to us, that uh, we, we've been calling this all year because we feel like we're in a better position in Florida. The record doesn't show that, but the game shows it because we beat them in the swamp. We, we a, a nasty, filthy, dirty, rotten Razorbacks went into the swamp, a place where Razorbacks don't belong. They're supposed to be tore up by the Gators. And we went into the swamp and beat them in their own backyard, in their own game. We beat them. The referees, we beat them. And it's just, I mean, it's poetic justice for K.J. Jefferson to to go into the swamp. And and, and now he's got a signature win for his career, regardless of how much longer it lasts. If he decided to come back next year or if he didn't, he's got that one win that, that, that he's identified now. He is the quarterback that went to the swamp. And beat the Florida Gators. That's right. That's uh, hey, and let me tell you, these are some swamp loving hogs because we nearly did that in Baton Rouge with an offensive coordinator that, frankly, should, should have never been uh, uh, wore the headset to begin with. We still almost beat LSU Tigers in Baton Rouge. So, so we've we've played good in some um, in some marshy environments this year, and not only did we get a win over Florida, but let's add this to the record: we're the only team 
in the United States that have beaten the Florida Gators in Florida this year. And I'm not counting, of course, Georgia won in Jacksonville last week, which wasn't in the swamp, neutral site. We're definitely not going to count that. Um, but we're, and we will be the only, they don't have another home SEC game. Florida's next two games is on the road against two Tiger teams, LSU and Missouri. So we will be the only team in the SEC this year to, to get a win in Gainesville. And that's something to be proud of. That's a big stat. Yes, it is. And, you know, and, and the thing, I, I just want to say one, one more thing about how good it feels to win. We, we don't have to wait. We thought we were going to have to wait till basketball season, which, by the way, does start this evening at Dallas State. But we thought we were going to have to wait till basketball season to get another win. And lo and behold, we did <laughs> because we got one on Saturday. And it's just a, it was a big, big-time atmosphere, a big-time game, and, and uh, just, just a big win. It was, and I'll be honest, from my perspective, looking forward to the schedule, of course, we came into the game two and six, knowing that we had to win our last four to get bowl eligible. From my perspective, that's the toughest one to get, is to go to Florida and get the win. Because even Tennessee, even Tennessee, who's, uh, you know, still ranked top 15 in the country, they went into Florida. They couldn't get the win. In fact, they couldn't even come close. They got smoked by two touchdowns. So... They got whipped. And so, that to me, that's the toughest win. You know, you say Missouri. You got Missouri right number 12. You got them coming into Fayetteville at the end of the year. That's going to be a tough game. But I don't think it's any tougher than what we just saw against Florida. And if we can get two more wins under our belt this week against Auburn and then Florida International, getting more comfortable with the offensive coordinator, get a little mojo going after three wins in a row, I think we're set up to have quite a battle on senior day against the Missouri Tigers. I, I totally agree. And, and the thing is, you know, we, we talked about it all year about, you know, uh, wins that we expected to get. We expected to get this one. We expected to get this one. We expected to get this one. So now as we look at the remaining schedule, I can tell you this with all assurance, I'm expecting to meet Auburn on Saturday. I, that's yes. now an expectation for me. Yes. Obviously, I'm expecting to be Florida International. <laughs> and I'm expecting to be playing Missouri on Black Friday with the opportunity to go bowling, something that doesn't didn't seem like before we played Florida was even in the realm of possibilities. But now, you know, it, it's a win at a time. You got to get one win. It's just like the NCAA tournament basketball. You got to win this game. If you don't win this game, the next one doesn't matter because the next yes. one is, 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 is meaningless. It, it doesn't That's right. Anything. So you have to get this win against Auburn. Then you win against FIU, and now you're playing Missouri for more than just a trophy. You're playing Missouri for a chance to, to get to a bowl game and, and possibly possibly keep your head coach, who, who finally made a good decision in firing Dan Enos and getting rid of him. If he makes that earlier in the season, are we looking at a 7-8 nine win thing? We don't know. Absolutely. Absolutely. If we went out and he was the problem, Sam Pittman's going to keep his job. Well, I see, you know, with, with, I think that's a discussion for another day, and I, I think about that too. We're At the end of the year, we'll look back and we'll think about whether Sam should have pulled the trigger on that sooner or not. But right now, like you said, we're playing tournament football. This is tournament football, and guess what? Unlike most tournaments, every single game is at our house. Hogs are coming back to Fayetteville, and they're going to camp out in Fayetteville for the rest of the year from now until uh, day after Thanksgiving. They're going to be playing in nothing but Reynolds Razorback Stadium, and they got three wins to get 
three wins to get, and then they have a chance to do something that would be one of the more remarkable turnarounds, I think, in any season that I've seen, which would be they would have a chance. There's still a possibility, Jackson, that we ha- we finished this season with a winning record, seven and six. It's within sight, three wins plus a bowl game, and we go from two and six basically staring at an unsightly a bottom of the pack, just, you know, uh, uh, turn your eyes away and don't look type season into exactly what we did last year when yours truly was high-fiving and celebrating in Memphis, Tennessee as we won the Liberty Bowl over the Kansas Jayhawks. We have a chance to, to have that type of turnaround this year. And from what I saw out there, I think there's nothing better than getting a win on somebody else's turf, not to mention Florida, where you've never won, in overtime fashion to just get that adrenaline going again and get that competitive spirit going. And I just loved what I saw from that team under that under our new offensive coordinator. Um, I, I loved what I saw from them. I, I saw a team that was hungry, that was ready to play. Now, that being said, not all of it was good. Not all of it was good. Labeled as one of the better defenses in the conference against Florida. Florida well, playing solid defense all year, and then they give up 39 points to Arkansas. So, you know, well, hey, they did hold Tennessee. Yeah, go ahead. It wasn't just against the Slouch defense, you know, which I think we're going to play when we play Auburn. I don't think they, I don't think they're near on the level playing to the Florida. So when we play Auburn, we're finding a defense that's going to be even worse. So Kenny Gotten and those offensive players, you know, in the offensive scheme, should just be chomping at the bit. To, to take it out on Auburn, you know, and, and I, I think that's what we could see Saturday. I think we could see a game where Arkansas just takes out all these frustrations that have been building all year, and they just take it out on they take it out on Auburn Tigers this week. That's what we need to do. Is is I, I do see a very focused team. Um, again, we're playing at home. I think after that Mississippi State debacle, I think the the entire mindset is going to be completely different. And you got to look yourself in the mirror. As your Arkansas Razorback, you're putting on that uniform. If you can beat the Florida Gators in Florida, across the country, why? how are you going to let Auburn come into your own backyard and beat you here? Right. Auburn is not as good of a football team as Florida. Now, they do have a winning record. They are a good football team, but they're not as good as Florida. And they're coming to our house. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just have to have to believe that um, that it's really going to motivate us to take a different approach. Whatever we did against Mississippi State, whatever the mindset was, the preparation, the thought process, change it all. And I think we will. I think we will. Totally agree, for sure. The, the bye week did us good. We, we apparently used that bye week exceptionally well to prepare. We got a breather. We got some guys healthy. Rocket Sanders. First 100-yard rushing game this year for an Arkansas Razorback. And that was a huge part of the game. The 47 runs, we, of course, we had K.J. run almost as much as, as Rocket did. He ran for 92 yards. Uh, a lot of that was running that I don't like. A lot of that was broken play, scrambling. But Florida, I have to say it, they kind of shot themselves in the foot because they were not able to stop that. That's what that's really been what we've been surviving on a lot is those broken play runs by KJ. We did again today, but 
we also sprinkled in offensive plays that worked, which is what we haven't done in the past. In the past, it's been, especially against Alabama, it's been nothing but KJ broken uh, 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 schoolyard plays bro- and, and virtually none of the actual plays that worked. Today, I'm sorry, uh, on Saturday against Florida, you saw plays that were designed to work and they were run correctly. Many of those plays were two Rockets handed. So I, I give my game ball for offensive side. I have to give it to KJ. Um, you know, two touchdowns. Of course, the um, the, the the game winner to to, um, to get us over in overtime, and also um, he also rushed for a touchdown and had uh, 92 yards on the ground. Just a complete effort. Um, and my only, I guess, regret or or downside to to it all was that sometimes he was a little bit too much of a one-man show and i would have liked to see um you know i I would like to see us be a little less reliant on him and a little more scheme oriented if you know what i mean a little less reliant on his natural playmaking abilities and more of us strategizing on offense we did that some, but I want to see more of it. I want to see more of us exploiting the weaknesses of the defense. And, you know, and to, and to, uh, to make a point, because, you know, I, I, I did have the absolute luxury of uh, listening to the play-by-play by, by Chuck and Quinn, and Chuck Barrett says, well, they're looking to the sideline to change the play. So we didn't see that under, you know, so they're looking at Coach Guyton, hey, we're going to run the play you called, or we're going to – and there was some changing of the play at the line of scrimmage, so you're <laughs> – there was no scheme earlier in the season. Now we have an offensive scheme. Okay, this play's not going to work. Let's run one that does work. And, and that, especially that first drive, that first drive was so methodical and so scripted. It shows the kind of play card that we have in our temporary play card in, in, uh, in Kenny Guyton. To, yes. Because that first drive, seven plays, 75 yards, touchdown. And, you know, it's just methodical. And, you know, and, and you know, then – you know, the middle part of the game kind of got a little, we got stifled again, but they made adjustments throughout the game. Like, hey, this isn't working, but this right here is. And, and it just began to work. And, you know, we were bouncing back. They score, we score. They score, we score. And it was just a good SEC football game, and I was just glad that we were able to come out on top because, like you said, under Enos, that would have been our seventh straight loss. And instead, we're looking at a win. We're, we're, we're looking forward to playing Auburn to get another win, get us one step closer to the postseason, which is is, is the goal right now. That's, that's the goal for the, the remainder of the season. Yes, and just like you said, it was the resilience of our team on offense that made the difference. We went from scoring seven points at home to scoring 39 points on the road. We answered another team score this time, this game. Not just once, not just twice, not just three times, but six times. We had six scores from the second quarter on that came after a Florida Gator score. Right. And that was uh, uh, from the second quarter, we, we had a field goal, then Florida answered, then we had another field goal, then Florida touchdown, then we had another field goal, then Florida got a field goal, then we answered the touchdown, then a touchdown from Florida, and then we answered with a field goal to tie the game. And of course, a missed field goal by them. We held them to a field goal in overtime, and then we answered for a sixth and final time with KJ's four-yard touchdown to Tyrone Broden to seal the game for the Hogs. That's six times. Florida 
except for the first quarter, they never scored two possessions in a row. And that's as much a credit that's that's somewhat of a credit to our defense, of course, for holding them, you know, and not just letting it break open. But it's a big credit to the offense for going out there and and not giving them the ball in a position to where they can follow up on that score and really seize the momentum. We never let Florida get the momentum in that game. They were always on their toes. And got to be frankly honest, I don't think, and, you know, this is just part of my general theory about college football, Florida really wasn't ready for us. They were not ready for the team that they saw today. or I'm sorry, on Saturday. They were ready for a team that got beat Seven to uh, seven to three uh, by the by the uh, Mississippi State Bulldogs. I'm I'm sorry, we we scored. We went from three points to thirty nine. Yeah. So, um, we uh, you know, that's they they weren't they weren't prepared. Auburn will be more prepared, but right. we we just we're gonna have to outmuscle Auburn. You're gonna you're gonna have to beat a team at home at the in the SEC. I feel like there's no question Razorbacks have more talent than Auburn. We just have to be able to not let Auburn out coach us. That's right. And it comes down to execution, which we've been looking for all season. We haven't seen, <coughs> seen Saturday. We've seen execution, you know, when we needed it. You know, okay, well, we're, we're down. What are you going to do, KJ? Well, I'm going to take this down the field. We're going to score a touchdown. We're going to take this lead, 30-26. That's what we're going to do. And then, well, we went back down. 33 to 30. What are you going to do, KJ? Well, I'm going to take this down. I'm going to give Cam Little a chance to tie this game. And what does he do? He ties the game. So there was a, I, I, I heard a lot of execution Saturday, and we're, I haven't been hearing that, you know, for most of the season. There's just been no execution when we needed it. And every time we needed a score, we went and got that score. And uh, I was just really impressed with the, with our first-time offensive coordinator, the game he called, uh, Coach Guyton, and, uh, you know, he set the bar kind of high for himself. So, I mean, he did it in the swamp. We want you to do the same thing uh, this weekend when we play Auburn. That's what I'm expecting as a fan. I, I want to see what you're going to do at home in front of a, a, a night, what should be a nice crowd, should be a beautiful game day uh, atmosphere in Fayetteville. And let's just uh, let's just bring us another win. I mean, because now, now you're in a place where you have to have them because the loss, the season's over. That's right. And we got to play like that. And for the first time in a long time, Jackson, I, uh, I have a lot of optimism coming into this game. I wow. really feel like the hogs are on the upswing. Perfect. And again, to use the O word, and he's not talking about offense or, uh, you know, uh, or, or being offended. He's actually talking optimism, folks. Mark the tape. Because he just used the word optimism, and I uh, <laughs> cut him off. But he he used optimism, and and I, and I love to hear that because you know when you have optimism, it gives me hope that I'm not the only crazy one out there. That I can still see a bowl game on the horizon. But it starts Saturday against Auburn. It sure does. It sure does. And um, well, maybe it's just because the kind of week I had. Because Jackson, I've I've had personally one of the better sports weeks that I can remember. Um, of course, we had the Razorbacks win in Florida. We had not good. So, huh? So my Sunday did not end well. Uh, okay. It, it looked like well, it was going to, and then uh, a certain quarterback by the name of C.J. Stroud just absolutely shredded the Tampa Bay defense for five touchdowns of 470 yards, including the game winner 
with less than 30 seconds left. So, no, it, it wasn't all beautiful and, and sunshine well, and roses. But the Hawks did win, and that overshadowed everything else. I hate to say it, Jackson, but in, in, in my world as a Saints fan, that, that C.J. Stroud touchdown was, was – it made – it, it was, you know, one of the more minor points, but it made my, my week even better. I'm sorry to say it. But, <laughs> but we had we had the Razorbacks get the win in Florida. My NC State Wolfpack dominated the previously top 15 ranked Miami Hurricanes 20-6. to Tulane Green Wave rolled to take the number 20 spot in ESPN's rankings at 8-1. and one. Looking for maybe another Cotton Bowl appearance this year, even after the the huge turnover we had uh, after last season, especially losing our top running back, the Green Wave, maybe rolling back. So they got a, a nice win there. And of course, my well, yeah, and of course, um, yep. um, my my New Orleans Saints uh, got got a win, which of course they should have against the Chicago Bears, but they Definitely did win. Struggled. They did struggle, but they did win, yeah. But also my uh, my baseball team, which we don't spend hardly any time talking about on here, um, because honestly I, I was torn because I, 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 I like both all the Texas teams with my dad being from Texas. I was, yep. uh, raised a Texas baseball fan, but an Arkansas fan in every sport where we have a team. Unfortunately, Arkansas doesn't have a professional baseball team. Or a professional football team, so I leaned towards the uh, Cowboys before I was converted to the Saints, and I've always leaned towards the Rangers and the and the Astros. And of course, when I lived in in Dallas for for several years, I I, I actually was at the game where the Texas Rangers went to their first two World Series. I was at the game we clinched the pennant in 2010 against the New York Yankees, striking out Alex Rodriguez on the last pitch, Neftali Feliz. And I was at the game where we, uh, we, we went back to it in 2011. And uh, for a long time, my heart hurt because in 2011, the Rangers were one strike away from winning their first World Series against the St. Louis Cardinals. We're up three to two, one strike down. And a Lance Berkman single extended the game. Cardinals came back, ended up winning. And we went to game seven. St. Louis took the World Series title. So to me, in all of my sports experiences, I would probably say that was the most crushing I've ever felt was when the Rangers were one strike away from the World Series. And they blew it. Well, well, fast forward, fast forward to, to 11, 11 years, years later, well, actually nine years later, and, and we're losing, Rangers are losing 102 games, and they're not even on the radar for for most of, for any type of competitive baseball. And, and you know, meanwhile, the Astros, who've been the main team I've been, I've, I've been rooting for, as, as listeners know, um, they've gone to seven consecutive ALCSs, including this year. Well... When the Rangers had a uh, comeback year, surprising year this year, we hired Bruce Bochy as manager, of course, who's won three World Series with the San Francisco Giants. Was actually the manager who won the World Series the first time the Rangers went to the World Series in 2010. The team we lost to was the, were the Giants, and Bruce Bochy was the manager. Well, we were able to get him to come manage our team this year, which probably should have 
raised some alert that he saw something in these guys because first year at the helm, we're winning the American League West and and looking good. And, of course, at the end of the year, we, we did have some injuries. We uh, Of course, Jacob deGrom, who was our main offseason signing, went down with an injury. So that didn't look good. Uh, Matt Scherzer also had some injuries. He was our trade deadline pickup. And so that didn't look good either. And everybody, most of the guys on the team have some type of injury history, and none of them are proven. I mean, we, we were dealing with a bunch of guys who – were just not proven, but they all had potential. They all had, you know, but every team's got potential, right? What, what makes us special? So I didn't put a whole lot of stock into the Rangers. At the end of the year, the Rangers ended up losing three out of four games to the Seattle Mariners to choke away the division and allow the Astros to sweep the Diamond Arizona Diamondbacks in Arizona to tie for the division lead and the Astros had beat the Rangers head to head for the regular season series between the two. And that gave the Astros the, the division crown. They, they got actually a buy in the postseason. They have buys now. So second year they've been doing this. So the Rangers had to go through the regular division brackets, ended up sweeping the Tampa Bay Rays and then they went up against the number one seed, Baltimore Orioles, which are kind of the poster child for the team nobody saw coming this year because they've been the worst team in baseball for the past three or four years, except for last year when they suddenly were about 500, <laughs> similar to what the Rangers did. Well, lo and behold, the Rangers sweep through the Orioles four games and they wind up, a, and of course, the Astros on the other side uh, end up taking care of business, and they also advance to their seventh consecutive ALCS. And so we have a meeting between the Astros and the Rangers that I, I knew it's almost like a game between Arkansas and NC State. You know, I, I just, well, I, I leaned a little bit more, probably more towards Arkansas on that one, but uh, in uh, Houston against Texas, just like in the regular season, I just turn the other way. I don't watch. And so I didn't watch any of the series. I didn't watch a single pitch that I can remember. I just kind of uh, kept up with how it was going. Houston took a 3-2 to two lead going back to Houston, and it looked like the Astros were going to advance to their second consecutive World Series. Of course, they won the World Series last year and have a chance to win again, which I was fine with. I was fine with any result. Well, anyway, the Rangers beat them both game six and seven in Houston. They actually won every game in Houston in the series. Houston won every game in Texas. Right. It was uh, <laughs> the home team never won during the series. But uh, Texas actually uh, beat them convincingly. None of the two games, six or seven, were within five runs. So the Rangers advanced to play the Diamondbacks in the World Series. And lo and behold, on Wednesday night, Game five in Arizona, fittingly on the road. Rangers went eleven and zero on the road. On the road, the Texas Rangers wow. became World Series champions for the first time in sixty-three years in their in their, in their history. Well, and, uh, and that's a great. I mean, that's a great rundown of you know, <laughs> a, a, a sport that we really don't talk about. But you know, it's a sport that is heartbreaking because. I share your sentiment of, I mean, probably my most heartbreaking loss that, uh, 
as a, as a sports fan was when the Arkansas Razorbacks were one out away for being college World Series champions. Yeah. Now you're right. <laughs> and they couldn't find a foul ball, and nobody called it. It hits the ground. Oregon State ends up scoring a couple runs, and yep. they beat us handily in game three. And I was just so dejected because, I mean, Dave Van, Dave Van Horn has been doing so well, and he's deserving of a title. And it was just, I mean, I was just heartbroken. And I was like, man, I don't care what season is next. And I, I'm not, I mean, I'm just hurt as a fan. And yeah. I don't know what you're right. baseball that just takes so much out of you as a fan. Yeah. But I was just so heartbroken. <laughs> uh, and it was on the baseball diamond that it happened. So uh, I, I, I see your sentiment and, and how bad it hurt, you know, with the, with the Rangers being, you know, one one strike away, you know, and uh, just, you know, and, and but, but what retribution for them to, to come back this year and, uh, and win the World Series. Uh, that's, that's, it, was, it was definitely uh, a game that was a, I mean, it was a good game. It was just Arizona just came so far, and they just yep. ran out of gas. I mean, they were only able to muster up one win, and uh, congratulations to the Texas Rangers. Uh, I mean, World Series champions. Absolutely, it was it was a great win, and and yeah, they did catch a break. I feel like playing Arizona uh, in the World Series. If they would have played a team like Atlanta or Philadelphia, I think it would have been tougher. But Arizona had to beat those teams to get there too. So um, they they were hot. Rangers were hotter. Um, but I, I never, I really, I didn't, I didn't see this coming. I did not. Even when the playoffs started, it's just one of those that kind of came out of nowhere, and all of a sudden. Um, the Texas Rangers were in the World Series, and hey, we got a chance for 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 basically them to come back and complete the the um, the circle of fandom. Any team that you root for, when they win it all for the first time, it's a really special experience. And I'm hoping that that one of these days, um, in our lifetime, of course, the Razorbacks have won the national championship in football before, but I'm I'm looking forward for them to do it in our lifetime when they when they do it. For the first time in our lifetime, it's going to be special. Baseball, like you said, I feel that one in Omaha just as much as I felt the, the one with the Rangers uh, uh, blowing it to the to the Cardinals. And when we do finally get it done, and I think we're a lot closer in baseball than we are in football, of course. But when we do finally get it done, it's going to be sweet. And um, and anyway, this this Wednesday was sweet for we real sweet for me with the Rangers Rangers getting it done. I know, so, I know it was. I know it was. And, it was a heck of a week. You know, <laughs> you know, and, you know and there, I mean, there's just so, it just seems like there's so many sports to cover right now, but, you know, we don't ever want to, when, when one of our major sports ends, we, you know, with the championship, we, we definitely want to acknowledge that. And uh, the world of college football is just, I mean, it's just really crazy right now. And, and I have to point out that when the, when the playoff committee made their rankings and Georgia wasn't number one, I'm, I'm thinking, what is what is going on? Because you have a two-time defending champion that hasn't lost, and how is Ohio? What has Ohio State done? And I have to ask you because you know, yeah, you're, you're I, I wondered the same thing. State, and, and and you've been making this case for Ohio State or somebody from the Big Ten, but what has Ohio State done that they deserve the number one ranking? Uh, nothing. Well, the only thing they've done is. The, apparently, the computer algorithm that's that's driving a lot of this is giving the Big Ten a much higher strength of schedule, than, but based on non-conference play. And I don't think that's correct. I think the team, the, the league that's probably earned the most 
respect in the term of, of strength of schedule uh, is probably the Big 12 and clo- closely followed by the Pac-12. You know, BYU, a Big 12 team coming into Arkansas winning. Um, of course, we had Texas going into Alabama and winning. Had some very high-profile games with the Big 12 beating other major conferences. Um, so I, I don't see what they're getting at. I do understand, though, the SEC has done badly this year when they've played other conferences. You think about Alabama, Texas, Florida, Utah, Arkansas, BYU, um, several other ones. I think Mississippi State, uh, Arizona. Uh, maybe Mississippi State won that. Am I wrong? Anyway, I digress. But but SEC has not done well when they've been played uh, when they've been playing other conferences. And so I understand you factor that in to the because this is you know you can't just let your view of this season be painted by the fact that Florida, that Georgia has won the past two national championships. I get right. that. I get that. But I don't think, like you said, like you've alluded to, Ohio State has done enough as a team to distinguish themselves as that much better than say Michigan or, you know, yes, they beat Penn state, but I'm, I'm not sure that they're that much better than Penn state either. Right. So, and you know, and I'm not, I'm, I'm, I wasn't, when, when I seen the rankings, I'm, I'm like, I, other than their, I mean, other than their pedigree as being Ohio, Ohio state, why are they number one? But because I don't think they're any better than Georgia. So in order for them to be ranked over Georgia, you have to show me that they're better than Georgia. And nobody has showed that they were better than Georgia in the last two seasons. And Georgia's still undefeated. They haven't lost. They've been tested. You know, Missouri played on tough for, for quite a while over the weekend. But at the end of the day, Georgia still won. And, you know, so I, I had an issue with that. But I, and yeah. it, it will play itself out. So, it will work itself out. And you know, and it, it, well, well. Now we're recording this podcast on a Monday, and it was only a few hours ago. I don't know if many people is actually, I think, less than an hour ago that they came out with a new top twenty-five ranking. So Ohio State is no longer number one in the in the rankings after after beating Rutgers but losing to them at halftime. Ohio State has dropped to number three. That's the, okay. I guess, good news. The so bad news is Georgia is still not number one. Right. Say the bad news, the perplexing news. Number one has become the Michigan Wolverines, who are mired in one of the more intriguing, dramatic, um, I guess, how, how would you say, uh, I guess intrigue is the right word, uh, science scandals in all of college football that I can remember is it seems like they're pretty much caught red-handed. I, I, I can't see uh, a whole lot of defense coming from Michigan. If they've been stealing other people's signs, now, of course, they rolled even with that knowledge and Purdue preparing for them. Purdue was 2-6, and six, so let's not get carried away. But Michigan did cruise over Purdue this past week. But I think that's got to be factored in. That a lot of Michigan's performance uh, is tied to that sign, st- sign stealing things. That they've been knowing if it's a run or a pass, 
before the play is made, and they're probably going to be punished before the end of the season. So for them to put them as number one ahead of Georgia, that to me is a bigger travesty than putting Ohio State there. And I wasn't I wasn't aware of that. Like you said, we you know I haven't had the luxury of seeing that uh, so far. Just came out, friend, hot off the presses. That's 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 why why we have this podcast is we like to bring our viewers the most cutting edge news even before the hosts have a chance to react to it. Exactly, and, and you know, it, that just, it, shows, it, it just shows me. I mean, what, what, it, what it paints in my eyes is we're so there's really no respect for Georgia as a number one team. When not only was Ohio State over them, okay, well, all this stuff surrounding Michigan and stealing signs and all this controversy. Yeah. Oh, well, Georgia's still not number one. Yeah. Okay, so who, who's who's going to be a number one next week? You, you're going to jump somebody from four to one. To, to go over the two-time defending national champion, I put a lot of... Oh, I, and, of course, I, I for, well, one of the games I forgot to bring out was or in the non-conference game was Florida State whipped up on LSU to start, you know, again, a very bad performance by the SEC, and I understand that. But Florida State's sitting at number four in the poll. Right now it's Michigan, Georgia, Ohio State, Florida State, and Washington. In that order is the top five of undefeated teams who all have a legitimate claim as of this day to be in the playoff. Right. Um, I definitely agree with the top five. I just don't. I just don't agree with Georgia not being number one. Well, I, I, I would. I would sooner. I would sooner see Florida State. I think yeah. jump ahead because I think the computer model would support Florida State. I think the computer model will say, look, ACC has better teams than people think. Florida beat up on LSU, which was an SEC team. And um, Florida, I mean, Florida State beat up on LSU, which is an SEC team. Florida State's probably going to get a chance to beat up on another SEC team in Florida before the end of the year. Um, and so then, and then they can basically say, you know, they're better than Georgia. I, I, I could see that argument – before I could see putting Michigan, who's clearly a tainted team, they're a tainted team, and anointing them as number one. And I definitely see your logic, and but at the same time, you know, we 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 come from a generation and era where uh, I remain number one until somebody beats me. You know, to be the man, you got to beat the man, and nobody's beat Georgia. That's true. That's been true. Number one for three seasons. Yeah. So and when it, I was just shocked, and I was like, "Wow, how are they not number one?" There's nobody beat them. Yeah, they've been tested. Yeah, they've been injured, but they still have not lost. They their 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 record has not been tainted. They don't have controversy surrounding Georgia. So yeah, Florida State would make sense because of their body of work, but not not Michigan and for for sure not Ohio State. So I mean, wow. what more? Does, I mean, I guess Georgia's <laughs> got to go out and three feet. They they have to three feet. I guess to to if they want the number one ranking back. They got to go take it. That's what they're gonna have to do. Well, and I, I completely see that point of view. Very valid point. That's why I love this podcast is we get to give our viewers both sides of the issue. But let me take the other side of that and give you the counter argument, which is I would I might say that's what the problem in college football is, is in college football, you don't play enough games to really know who's the best. And that's why we have a playoff system is because for years, just like you said, whoever won the championship last year or was high in the polls last year, well, they start off high in the polls this year. Then they get a leg up on every other team out there 
because every other team has to basically disprove everyone's belief that they're still good with a brand new team. And in Georgia's case, a new quarterback. And it's not fair to everybody. you got to start them on a level playing field like they've never – just like the NFL. Nobody says, oh, the Chiefs are the number one seed to start out the year, and people are going to have to beat them if, if, if they don't – you know, Chiefs, Chiefs win all tiebreakers. If there's any tie in the league against somebody that they haven't played, then the Chiefs win it because we – you know, they don't do that. And in college football, they don't play enough games. So – you start off Georgia in that high position just because of what they did last year. People say that's the unfairness of college football. Okay. I, mean, I, can, I can definitely see that argument too. And, you know, so now Georgia's in a position where, I mean, obviously. So I, I do, I mean, from that perspective, I, I give the voters some credit for thinking outside the box. Because the easy thing to do is just to put Georgia number one. And in my mind, I, I tend to agree with this. Probably the right thing to do is to put Georgia number one. But I give them credit for, for, for actually letting the process play out. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's, there's nothing that Michigan or Ohio State have done to date to make me believe that they're better than Georgia. Absolutely. I, I agree with that. And, you know, and, and we, we, have some, we have some big football games coming up. They're really all this is going to help work itself out. But at the same time, you know, it, it, it's, it's Georgia. Once again, it's Georgia's title to win or lose. I mean, they, they will have a big game more than likely with Alabama in the SEC championship game. And, you know, that's going to be Kirby Smart against Nick Saban. It's going to make all the headlines. It's going to be what it's been. But at the same time, you know, Georgia, Georgia to me has nothing. They don't have anything left to prove. I mean, okay, so you're going to make us – Gonna make us go undefeated again, put us back at number one, and you know because right now I feel like if Georgia stumbles, if they were to slip against Alabama in the championship game, now all of a sudden, what is Alabama take Georgia's place in the playoff? A one-loss SEC champion over the team that's been undefeated and won the last two. Well, there's a lot for the playoff committee to consider. There is, and and see what really hurts, I think Alabama is you have Texas here. Now, Texas, as you know, they they cut it real close this past weekend. I thought they were going to lose at home to Kansas State. The worst coaching decision ever. Break it down for us, Jackson. You have to kick the field goal in overtime. You have to go to another overtime. You don't risk not knocking Texas off. You have to kick that field goal. Go to overtime. We go to the next overtime. Put your defense back out there. Give them another chance to stop Texas. Then you kick a field goal and win the game. I mean, there's nothing for me to think about. And they said, oh, well, the coach said it after the game that he would have done it the same way again. And guess what? He would have lost again. you got yeah. to kick the field goal. You have to take the points there. You know, if it's at the end of the game, you want to go for the win, that's great. But it's in overtime. Kick the field goal. Play another down. Give your defense another chance. It's just a, a terrible – Texas is gifted one there by a terrible, terrible coaching decision. Terrible. I agree, and I've said on this podcast many times that after Texas played Oklahoma, I didn't see any team that was even going to give them much of a fight from from here from there on to the Big Twelve championship game. Well, I was wrong. Kansas State gave them a heck of a fight, but sure. couldn't finish them off. And as a result, Alabama this this is hurting SEC teams like Alabama who played extraordinarily well. 
against LSU. I mean, talk about a team that's just constantly improving, and that's the Crimson Tide. And it's it's scary how much better they're getting as the season goes on. And it it is. But here's the problem with Alabama is they have a ceiling, and that ceiling is the Texas Longhorns. The voters and probably the computers cannot rank Alabama ahead of Texas because Texas beat them in Tuscaloosa. And people don't think a whole lot of Texas, and for good reason. They got smashed by Oklahoma, who just lost. They get smashed. They barely lost, but they lost. To Oklahoma, who got beat in the last scheduled Bedlam game to Oklahoma State this past weekend and has dropped to 14 in the polls. So Texas... So, yeah, so so Texas, um, they... They're they're down in the uh, people don't have a high opinion of Texas right now for making the playoff and Al- and they are Alabama's ceiling, so Alabama right now they want to climb into that top five that top four, but they can't leapfrog Texas until Texas gets that second loss. That's their problem. Yeah, yeah. And, and the only way they do, you know, like I said, I painted the scenario is Alabama's got one loss and they beat Georgia for the SEC championship because the one-loss SEC champion is going to be in the playoffs. It's just going to happen. Yeah. You know, we don't have to like it, but a one-loss SEC team is going to be in the playoffs against three other schools. And, I mean, that's just how it's going to be. And then it would be Georgia that, got, that gets left out. Well, I, I, I'll, I'll be honest. If Georgia ends up with one loss, if they do take a loss, it's going to get interesting because – like I said, the number, the computer models and the non-conference schedule just do not support them this year. So Georgia, yeah, if they run the table, yeah. you know, they're no-brainer. But and these debates like this are why the, the, the playoffs expanded because yeah. there's been things since the playoff has been, in, you know, integrated and, and instituted that there's been a number five team left out. There's been a number five team left out. Uh, yeah. Hey, but, know, that, and that's one reason it's expanded. Well, I, I personally probably would prefer to stay at four. I do think these debates are good. We've come a long way from when we were debating who was the n- number two team and making that debating at the number four team. You're not leaving out someone like you were in the past who could be the number one team which was right. the, the old BCS system. Now, if, if you're not in the top four, you're probably not number one, and you're at least right. not leaving that team out. Um, so, But I, I'm, I'm interested to see what eight teams will work out like. I'll tell you the team, of course, Oregon's number six, so run down our top ten. It's Michigan at one, Georgia two, Ohio State, Florida State, Washington Huskies, uh, Oregon, who got a very impressive win over um, – I believe it was Arizona State this, this past week. Washington, of course, went into USC and got a statement win, 52-42 to 42, over the Trojans. And then we got Texas at number seven, Alabama at number eight, Penn State at number nine, and the Ole Miss Rebels at eight and one are at number 10. I don't see a path to Ole Miss getting in the playoff just because they um, – they lost to Alabama, and so I don't see a really a path for them getting to the SEC championship. They'd have to win out. Alabama would have to lose two in the SEC. I don't see that happening. And if they don't get to the SEC championship, they can't be in. 
But let's talk about Penn State. I, when I look at this ranking, the team that I see that's way too low is the Penn State Nittany Lions. I could, I, 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 in my mind, just the eye test, I feel like Penn State is probably a top top five team. I really feel like that. I agree with that. And but like you know, a lot of this, like a lot of these debates are going to work themselves out because Penn State still got to play Michigan. Yeah. And hey, and I'm gonna be rooting for Penn State. But that's the game to me Michigan that throws. Play Ohio State. So it's gonna work yes. itself out. But these debates are so well, fun because it, it, it gives us like a, a crystal ball at, at how we think it's gonna work out. And, and I will be pulling for Penn State because like yeah, I will too. They're my pick to win the Big Ten and represent the Big Ten in the college football playoff this year. Is Penn State? I, I do. I do feel like they're gonna have one of those four spots. Yep. I, I totally agree. I think that's the game that's going to throw a monkey wrench into everything is when Penn State beats Michigan. But that's the game. And, in fact, look at, looking forward, uh, that game is actually coming up this weekend at 11 o'clock on Fox. So we're going to find out very soon here, Jackson, uh, if we're going to get some real drama here in college football. Uh, I Penn State in that game, uh, just for the record. Penn State, Penn State, they have, they Michigan, have Michigan favored by only three and, three and a half, half. so it's supposed to be competitive. Yeah, definitely got Penn State uh, winning. Uh, I've been pulling for them all year, and uh, I'm going to continue to pull for them. Now, speaking, now, speaking of games, big games with playoff implications, here's a particularly big one here. Uh, Ole Miss travels to Athens to play the Georgia Bulldogs. Eight and one, Ole Miss ranked 10th in the country against number two, Georgia. I was just saying how Ole Miss doesn't have a path to the playoff. I still think they don't, even if they win this game. But can, can Ole Miss create some real problems for the Bulldogs? I, I don't I don't foresee it. Uh, I, I just think that I think Georgia's defense is just really, really too good. Uh, and uh, they're going to give Ole Miss fits. And uh, I, I definitely like Georgia at home. All right. Um, Ohio State, who's still ranked number one in the AP and coaches poll, even though they've changed in the official BCS poll, uh, they play at home against three and six Michigan State. Any any reason to keep up with that one, or is that going to no. be a uh, as, as fortunate and lucky as Ohio State has been? That would be the kind of game that they would just slip up in, you know, logically. But I, I don't think it's going to happen. Though. I think Ohio State. Yeah, I, I, I mean, if Ohio State, hopefully Rutgers was enough of a wake-up call for them that, uh, that they'll buckle down. Um, we got a game that might be upset upset special here. It shouldn't be even that much of an upset special, honestly, because two good teams. But Florida State hosts the U in Tallahassee, Miami at Florida State. Uh, I expect that to be a good game. What do you think, Jackson? I think it will. I think it will be a good game. You know, obviously Miami has struggled, and uh, Florida State. You know, they 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 managed to continue to win, and and I think that even though it's going to be a tough game for them, uh, I, I I see Florida State winning this one too. Yeah, I mean that that to me is a big recruiting war between those two schools, and Miami at six and three was once in the top twelve this year, 
And so they're definitely not chopped liver. They would love nothing more than to deal their in-state and in-conference rival a humiliating loss that knocks them out of, uh, I mean, wouldn't knock them out of the playoff, but would basically knock them out of the assumption that they're automatically in on their own, their own home field. So uh, interesting. Florida State, 14.5-point favorites. I think that's a little too favorite. Yeah, it's a little too to the Seminoles. Like, you know, I think it's going to be a closer game than that, for sure. Yeah. Um, another huge game. Number five, Washington, 9-0, and takes on number 18, Utah Utes, who are still 7-2, and but have not – I say they haven't traveled well. They went into USC and whipped up on USC in Los Angeles. So, can the Utes do the same against Washington? Coming off of a 35 to 6 humbling two weeks ago at home against the Oregon Ducks. They bounced back with a fury last week, beat Arizona State at home 55 to 3. Now that's a statement for bouncing back after a humiliating 29 point loss to a uh, major conference rival. So Utah. They they might they might bring their game against Washington. Washington needs to be on their toes. But I have to say, just looking at Washington's schedule, man, there's no way if this team goes undefeated, you keep them out of the playoff because they they've got some games on here. They for one, they beat one at Arizona, which is looking good every week. They they're looking better every week. They, they beat Oregon. They just went to USC and beat them, and now they have lined up Utah at Oregon State, who's 16 in the country. Utah is 18, and then they finish up with a home game against their arch rival, Washington State, in the last Apple Bowl that's scheduled. That's that's scheduled. So, and then they have the pack going to have the Pac-12 championship game. So, just a absolutely brutal schedule for the Huskies, who are somehow still nine. <laughs> That's, that's me. Uh, somehow still 9-0. and Got a little bit of a cold, as, as most people in Arkansas know. The weather's been uh, very unpredictable lately. To say the least. <laughs> um, next game on the schedule here, we've got, uh, might as well uh, bring up another Pac-12 uh, matchup. Number six, Oregon, faces the USC Trojans. Trojans are seven. That's, man. Trojans are seven and three. Uh, Oregon, of course, still fighting for the playoff at eight and one, and and coming off a huge win against Utah. Uh, where they got Jackson? Well, I, I, I do I do like Oregon uh, in, in this matchup as well. Uh, I think you know they're going to be that team that's just going to be that that one loss is going to be hanging over their head and, and, and probably keep them out of the playoff contention. So, but I do like Oregon in, in this one as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard because Oregon's played just as tough of a schedule, if not tougher, than Washington, and their only loss is to Washington, who's who's undefeated. So uh, it's it's you know, Oregon certainly making a strong case too, 
but yeah, they need to beat USC. USC, on the other hand, I wouldn't be surprised if they get one. They they've lost to Washington now. They've lost to Utah. Um, they've been dropping games left and right. I wouldn't be surprised if a team with the Heisman Trophy winner, reigning Heisman Trophy winner, comes up and says, "You know what? Enough's enough," and and gets this game um, against all odds. Uh, Tulane, now ranked number 24 in the country, 20th in the BCS polls. 8-1, and one, they face Tulsa at home. Uh, looks like a cakewalk for Tulane. Tulsa's 3-6, and six, so we're going to... Definitely the green wave. All the yeah, way. we're going to hope the green wave continues to roll there. When we got LSU hosting Florida. Florida trying to bounce back from that loss of home loss against Arkansas last week. Uh, did they give the Tigers any trouble? This isn't the game to back, bounce back in because LSU is going to be uh, very, very upset about the way they were done uh, in Tuscaloosa, and I, I think LSU is going to roll. How were they done, Jackson? Oh, they, it, Alabama, you know, just, it just seems like Alabama is still scoring in that game. <laughs> I mean, I think they just scored another touchdown. I mean, just uh, one. One thing about, you know, the struggles that Alabama's had when they put it together, they're, they're really impressive, and, uh, and they're worse. Yeah, there's not, well. not going to be a lot of highlight tape for the uh, LSU uh, defensive um, players trying to go into the NFL from that game, for sure. Right. Um, speaking of Alabama, Alabama goes to Kentucky this week. Uh, Kentucky, of course, six and three. Alabama's favored by ten. It's eleven o'clock on ESPN. Yeah, How you like that one? This isn't where Alabama falls. Uh, they, they, I think they take care of Kentucky as well. All right, I, I tend to agree. I mean, Alabama just seems like that team who is destined to continue to win out until they get to the championship against Georgia to set up a Kirby Smart Nick Saban showdown. And then, who knows, might give us some real fodder for debate if they're able to pull it off against Georgia. And, um, I mean, hey, there's a lot of drama brewing there. Uh, speaking of the Tigers, the Missouri Tigers host the Tennessee Volunteers, both teams 7-2, and 2, uh, 2.30 p.m. Uh, who do you like here, Jackson? Well, I think this is, I think this is a game where I'm just going to go against think we need to get them used to what's coming uh, that, that Friday after Thanksgiving. We need to get them, go ahead and get them used to losing and being disappointed. And uh, we're going to go with Tennessee. I hope so. Hey, you know what? I'm really rooting for Tennessee to beat Missouri because I want the, the wind being taken out of Missouri's sails. I don't want Missouri fighting for you know their best season in recent memory or some kind of extremely high bowl I want Tennessee limping into the Arkansas game. Now, I don't mind if they beat Florida the week before they play us. Give them a little bit of confidence. But Missouri's schedule is, yeah, Tennessee at home, Florida at home, then at Arkansas. So I'd like them to lose this game, be 7-3, then maybe get a, a feel-good win against Florida, get up to 8-3, and and then be facing the Hogs and, and basically say, you know what, we could be 9-3, and we could be 8-4, and not going to be a huge difference, and 
how we feel about our season. Uh, and of course, we got little Arkansas here who we're going to just take care of, and we don't have to prepare that much. Right. So that's what right. I want. Yeah, absolutely. So, I couldn't agree more. Very good. Very good. Uh, and that's pretty much, it looks like just about all the games that are going to make a difference in the standings going forward. Louisville has Virginia at home. Of course, Louisville's 8 and 1. They should be able to take care of them and and punch their ticket to a, um, a to the ACC championship game against yep. Florida State. Uh, the last game, of course, is against Kentucky, but not a conference game. NC State. Now let's let's spend a little time talking about NC State coming off a nice win against Miami, which they followed up with after a nice win against Clemson. Now watch out for the Wolfpack, who are now suddenly six and three. And they go to Wake Forest, who has been put back in their place in the college football pecking order after yeah. a brief surge the past few years. Wake Forest has come back to earth. They're four and five, and NC State has a chance to go seven and two. I mean, I'm sorry, seven and three, with their last two games on the schedule being at Virginia Tech, very beatable opponent, and then at home against their arch rival. I, I just I hesitate to even say the name. The North Carolina Tar Heels just hate hate hate, hate saying that name. But uh, yeah. but NC State has a chance. I mean, with the Hogs looking to finish six and six, the Wolfpack are looking at a possible nine wins regular season. Jackson. Yep. You know, and that you know, and, and I, I do like NC State uh, not only this week, but I mean, I would I would lean towards them to win out and. You know, it could be one of those. It could be one of those ACC SEC matchups where they're looking to match two good teams up, and they really don't have the good teams. So, hey, let's give our fans what they really want. Let's give them a six and six Arkansas team against nine and three NC State. And let's just let them duke it out and see who wins. And uh, because there are there are bowl games that, that do pair up that way. So, uh, don't don't sell the Arkansas NC State matchup short just yet because. This is one of those seasons where it could happen. So, yeah. Well, NC State has in the past week they went back to their old ways, uh, winning football games with defense. Games. Defense yeah. absolutely stifled Miami, yeah. and even though the Wolfpack quarterback only passed for 123 yards, I still have questions about our passing game. Uh, we were able to pull out the win. Not right. too many teams out there who've changed quarterbacks mid-season who are 6-3. and three. I give the Wolfpack a lot of credit for being resilient. And frankly, uh, you know, I, I give them credit for making a change quicker than Arkansas did, which is probably why they are where they are. Yep. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, and we'll, so, we'll see how that coaching change so plays out uh, come this weekend when we play all. Yeah, NC State's quarterback, M.J. Morris, has yet to pass. In the past two weeks, he's passed for less than 140 yards both weeks. He's he's not completed 12 passes. And if you think he's a running quarterback and he's just running wild, no, he ran against Clemson. He ran for negative 16 yards. So he's not a running quarterback either. He's not passing the ball, and he's not running the ball. But NC State's winning. Now tell me, how can that happen? People got to scratch their heads. Managing the game and playing solid defense. That's right. Managing the game, he's doing what's 
ask of him whether it works or not, and you're playing solid defense, which defense wins championships, so why can't defense win games too? It wins championships, that's right. And NC State has gone back to playing defense, so watch out for the Wolfpack. I would like to see a little bit more offense from them. I'm feeling a little antsy about that North Carolina game. I really am. But that's up ahead. we got to take care of business at Wake Forest, which, let's be honest, there needs to be more red shirts in that house than there is uh, black and gold. That's one of those games. (laughs) I'm expecting an NC State win this weekend. You know, and and I don't know what else is on tap, but, you know, for for all of the Razorback Nation, uh, the team that seems to be the the best on the hill the last few years, other than the baseball team, but right right alongside them, I would say, uh, the Razorback men's basketball team starts tonight, so it gives us right. a little, little something else to talk about, you know, in, in coming in coming weeks. And they uh, they open up the season. Uh, they're, they're preseason ranked number fourteen. They play Alcorn State tonight. They got a lot bigger matchups on the horizon, but they need to take care of business. And I'm I'm, I'm curious to, to listen to the call tonight and and I'll just just see what they really have on the hardwood this this year. Yep, I got really high hopes for them. I really think, I mean, this is about as optimistic as I've been, I can remember, for a Razorback basketball another, season. Another optimistic uh, use of that word uh, to yep. uh, make hey. the market again. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and it, they keep they keep harping <laughs> on, you know, Musselman going to get help where he needed it. He needed shooters. He went and got them. And they said it showed against Purdue, you know, how much more defensive intensity they're playing with. And and I just want to, I want to see how well this, 35 years of combined NCAA experience looks on the court because I think this could be the team, this could be the squad that Musselman's been waiting on, and we'll see as the season progresses. And I'll just look forward to tonight, you know, uh, another season starting and uh, just just seeing what the must bus is, is where uh, not only how good it's going to roll this year, but where it's going to take it. Absolutely. Same here, yeah. And when you win as much as I have in the past week, uh, you got you got to be optimistic. I, I'm feeling it right now, man. No, I have I'm the just one feeling downside. it. I just had the one downside, you know, with, with Tampa Bay figuring out how to lose their fourth game in a row. But aside from that, I mean, great sports weekend. Anytime you beat Florida in any sport is a good weekend. And to do it in the swamp was just, was just you know, majestic. And, and then to be able to talk to you about it today for, for all this time and to be able to put good content out there for our fans, it's just, man, it's just a, a blessing to, to have sports, to be able to talk about them, to be able to laugh about them, to be able to discuss them. And it's always a pleasure to, to be with Big Mo. And, and if you're not listening, our, our question is why. And if you are listening, tell your friends. And uh, with that, I can only say amen. 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 <laughs>